You're listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration, a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry. Let's get into the show. Hi, welcome to B2B Revenue Acceleration. My name is Aurélien Moutier, and I'm here today with Melinda Marks, VP Marketing at Armor Blocks. How are you today, Melinda? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me. That's a pleasure. So the, the topic for today's episode is, is about customer references and how to build a loyal fan base that goes to bat for you in marketing, which is a very interesting topic, I believe. But before, before we go into the detail of the conversation, Melinda, would you mind introducing yourself as well as your company, Armor Blocks, to our audience? Sure. So I'm VP of marketing at a company called Armor Blocks. We're a cybersecurity company, and we launched out of stealth mode back in February. We're the first company to apply natural language understanding, or NLU, to cybersecurity. NLU is the type of natural language processing or machine learning technology that you use when you use things like Alexa or chatbots, and it's used to understand communications. So at companies, when people are communicating across different channels, email, sharing documents, Slack, chat, The security tools lack understanding of the textual communications, and hackers are taking advantage and attacking through those communications channels. So we're the first to apply NLU to cybersecurity to solve some of these big attack vectors, like social engineering through email, helping companies detect insider threats, and preventing employees from accidentally or purposefully sharing client personal information. So it's an exciting time for us because there's a lot of interest in us. So this year's Verizon. DBIR stated that the large percentage, like upwards of the 90s of attacks start via email. So they're able to get through other security tools. And the reason why is because we've lacked a way to to analyze and understand human communications in a meaningful way to protect against these attacks. Well, it sounds like Armor Blocks got a great future ahead of it. So uh, it's, uh, it's wonderful. Thank you very much for that, Melinda. Getting into the topic now, we all know that there is nothing better than having our customers advocating for our brand, okay? Um, often, it's a, it's a natural movement. They either like the service or the product that you're offering, uh, and, and that's the reason why they are more than happy to speak about it and to become your advocate. But we also know that there is a, many ways in which marketing team can influence in increasing the, the loyalty of their fan base. Um, could you please share with our audience how you can drive that increase of loyalty from a marketing perspective? Yeah, so the first thing to do is to recognize the absolute importance of customers and re- realize the, all the value that you get from having amazing customer references. So I've had the luck and pleasure to work at companies who have been very focused on customer references and really cultivating deep customer relationships. So I worked in the early days at VMware and I was really lucky because they wanted to build a customer reference program. And at that time they had a workstation product, which was a consumer or PC product that, you know, people, people understood the value because there were technical people who were raving about it because you can run multiple operating systems on one computer and it was saving them from having multiple computers or, or extra equipment to test their software. 
so they were super excited about it. And at VMware, they were starting to move to server products, which, you know, moving to selling to the enterprise is a much different story. And they they recognized the value of having customer references and moving to the enterprise, selling into the enterprise. So I got that job. I had a marketing background, a PR background, and hadn't run a customer reference program before, but had been at companies like Hyperion and other startup companies who had customer reference people, usually as part of the sales teams, and had interacted with them enough to know, well, if I go to VMware and run this program, then I know exactly what to do because I can talk to the customers, I can harvest them for data, I can get the information out of them, I can learn. It's also a really great way to learn about the technology is through for anybody, whether whether what, no matter what department you are in a company, when you interview customers, you find out about how they're using the products and what's interesting and exciting about them using those products. So at VMware, we built the customer reference program. We we got to really see it take off, and it you know it just shows the value of having that loyal fan base. And when you think of VMware a lot of that momentum came from that fan base going to bat for them. And, you know, when, when you can do that, it's just, it's very, it's very positive. So what you should do at any company is anytime you have a happy customer, have their sales team know to contact you so that you can get the information on their stories. So all they have to do, and, you know, sometimes salespeople, they try to kind of hoard references for their own use so that other people don't get to use them. If you have the executive sign off at the company to tell them, we really value customer references. You have to share them. It's for the good of the team. You get access to the very best customer references. We have a really good person managing the reference program. Then you can get those customer references and manage it so that you are controlling how you're using those happy references. So when you talk to them, you find out what they can and can't do, you interview them about how they're using the product, what value they're getting out of it, and then they they tell you the information, you ask them for feedback. So at this point, you're learning what they love about the product and even finding out, well, what are the negatives? How how can we improve? And by by that time, you learn about what they'll say and if they're going to say anything negative. And from that, you can kind of parse it out into different ways that you can harvest that information for every little nugget. So, you know, at VMware, we published a Q&A or near transcript of the interview, and we'd email the summary to every person in the company with a headline, a before and after, information about their ROI, uh, an excerpt of their best quote, and it was labeled for internal use only. But engineers, product managers, everybody got value out of knowing those customer stories. So, yeah, and Diane Green, the CEO, you know, that was really important to her. So that was an executive mandate. And she would have her admin print out every single customer brief, every single case study, and she would read every single one. And then, you know, when everyone in your organization knows those customer stories, it's truly powerful because the engineers have pride about what they're building. It focuses their work and helps give them ideas for for product. Uh, It focuses your branding and messaging. so You can pull out consistent themes for messaging and branding. And of course, you get to work on marketing assets and get the customers really willing to go to bat for you. Sure. That sounds wonderful. So 
So I guess what you're saying is that it, it, it's kind of a double-edged sword in a positive way, where you can not only use that fan base to attract new customers, but also from an internal perspective, really getting the team to to rally around your around your brand. So it's kind of a internal and external communication tool. That, Absolutely. And, and I think that and that it, makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. And it's also you're really building the relationship with your customers. So, you know, when you when you think about going to a company, one of the things I always do is look look for those companies who realize this customer-centric value of a, of an approach. So, you know, people like Diane Green got it when I when I moved into the security industry, when I went to Qualys, the CEO, he, the first thing he said was customers come first, and that was something you always saw. And, you know, they had lavish parties for customers. They had paid for all the user conferences and free training and support. They really put customers first. And that kind of an idea really, really focuses the company and helps with marketing because in tech, in the tech industry, what, what people buy, a lot of it depends on what their peers are saying. You can invest in ads. You can invest in analyst relations. You can invest in PR and, you know, everyone, my background is in PR and um, I have a lot of experience with journalism and the way that things are right now, it's hard for even good reporters to write about the things that they want to write about. And so what's happened is people are just so skeptical about marketing materials or or even articles and even some of them don't even listen to industry analysts, who you know that they'll always listen to is their peers and other customers because they know the challenges that you're facing and what better way to validate a tool. You know, when you think of if you're going to buy something, how do you figure out what you're going to buy? Do you go on the pro- on the website? Maybe. But do you look at reviews? Reviews are, are very powerful. Completely. Yeah, reviews are very, very important. I mean, this is almost like bringing your B2C way of buying into the B2B world. So that makes perfect sense. But my next uh, question for you is, is around using references as part of the of the sales process. Uh, and I must admit that sometimes I get a little bit frustrated because I would have someone in my sales team coming to me and asking to speak to one of our clients for for people who only just had one call with. We've not even they don't even know, you know, what's the what's the cost or what's the we don't even have a business case in place, but they already want to speak to customers to try to understand their experience in working with us. And my feeling is that it's it's far too early in the sales process because if you do so, in essence, you almost use your clients as a sales tool. And unfortunately, I'd like to believe that our clients have a, a day job to attend and, and can't just be on, on reference calls for, for operatics or any other business. But I'd like to get your opinion and, and based on your experience and, and you know, the great news with you that you've done it with very large organizations, smaller organizations, and now for a startup. So you've got that, that kind of uh, 360 view. But in which part of the sales cycle do you believe it is the best to get a prospect in front of a client? And also, the, the, the second part of the question is, do you think the client should be briefed beforehand as to what they should say or... You know, how do you prepare your customer? You should you just actually not prepare them and let them speak completely naturally about the experience of working with you? Yeah, so great question. I'm all about prep being um, my personality type and running marketing. Anything I can control or prepare, I will, I will do. But, you know, there's a couple of things there that I would adjust. So first of all, 
when when you interview the customer, and I was saying like you harvest them for information, you find out what they can or cannot do, and then you kind of tier it depending on what they're comfortable with doing. And you want to tailor how you use them to what their availability and willingness is. So maybe you have a customer at an amazing brand name co- company, and you got your you were able to you know because customer references are a priority, you were able to negotiate so that they would be a public reference for you if they signed a contract and maybe you give them a discount to be a reference. But it's a top level person who has limited time and you want to use their time wisely. So you definitely, as great as it is to have them as a reference, there's no way you're going to have them taking individual sales calls. Like it just doesn't make any sense. So that's where something like getting them to talk to a reporter who covers customer case studies, and and there are reporters who just write customer feature stories, connect them with a reporter because then you have a third-party interview of your customer. You can get a reprint or you can point people to it, and there there's your customer reference without having to pick up the phone and waste waste your client's time. You can also... if if you can't do the the public relations. And with public relations, you can either do it through tech pubs, business pubs, but there's also a lot of vertical industries pubs who will pick up customer case studies, which is valuable too, because if, if it's a big name in the healthcare industry, there's healthcare publications who are looking for customer stories of how they're using technology. So, and people read those, but also you can, that's an easy way to share their, the reference story with so, you know, PR is always, if, if they'll do an a interview with a reporter, that's always highest priority to me. If, if you can't get PR, just write a case study and use that. And, and again, use those in marketing. When you get approval for the case study, make sure you're getting, you get mileage out of it. So when you get the approval for the case study, ask for approval for approval of the case study and tell them, you know, you get to approve it. So you should be comfortable with it and feel free to make any changes, make sure that you're comfortable with everything in this case study. And is it approved for use on our website and in marketing materials? Then you can pull it for use in press releases, for data sheets as a pull quote. So again, this this helps the salespeople present packaged sales reference materials that the client has already approved, you've written. So again, you have you have the most control over it. Now, in terms of one-on-one sales calls, you want to be careful because this is this is a problem I've seen a lot when the reference program is run out of the sales team. Is they're mostly connecting people for sales reference calls, yep. and every once in a while they'll field a marketing a marketing request, and it's so it's a little bit in reverse of what I'm saying happens when marketing really owns the program. So when the sales team, when the sales person in the sales org runs the reference program, there's a lot of burnout and that's really frustrating. And so, you know, if you get marketing to do their part more on the front end, then you're saving the sales references and the one-on-one calls to be not needed as much. And then I would, I would absolutely do it later in the sales process. And then also when you're managing the customer reference program or managing marketing, you're always concerned. You should always have that concern or understanding of what are your, you want to make an impact on the organization. So you want to find out what are the challenges of selling your technology? What are the salespeople facing? Because they only need the references. if the marketing and content and everything. You know, they're kind of, they're kind of 
I don't want to say lazy, being lazy, but they, they know how powerful the customers are in selling the product. So it's like a shortcut. Whereas if you understand the, the challenges of selling the product and you're doing all the right things to provide information for those challenges that they're facing, whether it's competitor pressure, if it's pricing pressure, you know, that's, that's how you're adjusting your marketing. So like if, if they're running into problems selling at the price that you want them to pay, for example, and they're, they're having a hard time selling for value or competitors seem to be undercutting price, then you're going to market for, to show the value of your product, for example. And then the yeah. same thing with customer references is you're going to hunt for those references or you're, you know, when you do the interviews, you're going to ask them the questions to see how they feel about the biggest challenges. So if it's a top competitor you're facing, then you ask a lot of questions to the customer references, uh, the, the client to say, who did you switch from? What do you think of competitor solutions? And then if they're saying, oh, this, this competitor product, it was terrible, then you note that and you know that they're good about talking about that. And then that way, it's very strategic when they're pulled in to talk to a prospect, you know, you know exactly what they're going to say. You know, they're good at talking about certain subjects and they can really, again, they can help you close the deal. But I would, I would absolutely do it later and then try, you know, if if they are pulling, having to pull them in too early, it's almost a sign of, well, we need better marketing materials and canned things that we can use. That makes sense. And I think prospects totally understand that. If you say, we have amazing references that I can connect you with. So let me show you some case studies first because we're trying to be mindful of their time. It totally no. makes sense. Yeah, no, I agree with you. So uh, my last question is around the, the, the concept of uh, building loyal fan base and building a community. I believe that they are very close to each other. What we've been speaking about is more around, you know, the one-to-one relationship between, you know, end user being your reference as a vendor. But what I'm talking more about around my question is more around the, the building up a community or drive a community into being a loyal advocates for your brand. So I guess that's my question to you. How do you drive a community into being a loyal advocate of your brand? Yeah, so when you, when you have a community, it's an interesting thing to think about building because you have to be very comfortable about what your customers will say. So uh, because you're basically letting them loose to talk amongst themselves. So that's where the importance of building the relationship comes in and, and building a really strong relationship. And whenever you communicate with a customer, it's about making them feel like you want to be a partner to them and ensure the success of their project versus just, I want to sell you this or close this transaction because I need to make my revenue goals. There's a, there's a big difference in feeling that culture of we're partnering with you to help you or we want to be a cheerleader for you and your career. And if you have that kind of, if you've built that kind of relationship, trust, you've been able to help them with issues they've been having, then building a community is amazing because you have, you have some fans who are excited about your tech you've helped them, they feel like they've been involved in your company. Maybe you've given them some, in exchange for being a reference, maybe you've given them advance notice of a product release so they could play around with it and they've given you feedback and you've taken that feedback. That's the kind of stuff that really makes them feel involved in your company's success. And as your company's success grows, they want to be a part of it and they want they want to be almost like a part of your company. 
And that's, that's the ideal mindset to use for a community and, and to build that demand where people want to be in your community. So at VMware, we built that. We built our community. And at Qualys, we built a community. And, you know, people wanted to be in those groups and talking to each other about the pro- how they're using the product, sharing best practices. Every once in a while, they they might have an issue and discuss it among themselves. But, you know, we would watch, we'd keep an eye on it and take the feedback and, and also write back to them to say that we're aware of the issue and we're working on it. And it just, you know, in, in the tech industry, everything's very transparent. So you don't want to have to censor things because you, you want to do the best for your clients and and it, it's only goodness for your product to kind of open that up. And, you know, you can, there's a lot of value in that to let them talk about, talk amongst themselves. And especially in the security industry, it's it's extremely valuable, like I said, because tech, technical people, they don't want to listen to marketing people. They don't want marketing fluff. Uh, they just want information and and they don't have a lot of time because they're busy. So they they want to cut straight to information that's useful to them. And having a way to get to that through peers is is helpful to them. And when um, when you have the, the kind of company where people are excited about using the products and te- technologies, you can open that channel where they can communicate. And then with security people, they're even usually more skeptical than just technical people because they don't they're not always as anxious to share their tips and they don't always want to speak publicly about using certain tools because sometimes if you brag about how great your security is they feel like they get a target on their backs is a very practical reason for security people to have that personality type but you know going in and talking to peers is a way that they it, it gives you a lot of credibility in your industry it shows that you want to move the industry forward and those are all good things that help your company and your brand and sales because you can say, look, you know, we're not trying to hide anything. We have all of this great stuff going on and you can you no. can see how happy our customers are are doing and this Perfect. isn't really monitored by us. We're we're just opening a channel for communication. That's true. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of the podcast. So thank you very much for your insight, Melinda. That was very, very useful and I really appreciate all the all the example, the little war stories that, that you shared with us today. And I think our audience will, will feel the same. Now, if anyone wants to connect with you to learn, to learn more about Armor Blocks or, or, or just take that conversation offline with you, what is the best way to get hold of you, Melinda? Sure. So we're, we're a newer company, but we're rapidly adding more info and content to our website. So you can check us out at www.armorblocks.com. So it's armor and then blocks with an X. And then you can also feel free to drop me a line at m at armorblocks.com. So just m for Melinda at armorblocks.com. Or I'm also on LinkedIn. Okay, that sounds wonderful. Well, once again, Melinda, thank you very much for today. It was great to have you on the show. Thank you so much. Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. 
To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.